Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, August 12th. We just came from a very abbreviated observation period of time for the media. We really didn't get a chance to see a whole lot, so the practice reports are pretty brief. But uh, we, we were there on Saturday, of course, saw the full practice then. And Tim, you and I talked about it in the instant analysis after practice, the defensive line. It was a much-needed win for the defensive line against the offensive line on Saturday. And I found the most intriguing part of it was a lot of it, I think they won anyway, but a lot of it came about when they started changing some things up with the, I guess the dime package is the first <laughs> time we've seen it. We've seen a lot of nickel, but it was it had been against air. And that is important. This was they unveiled a dime with three safeties. Well, the D, the D line was pretty motivated coming. After yes, working yeah, on yeah. the individual drills with Mike Elson, they were motivated coming into the scrimmage I, portion. I just thought they really took off when yeah. Murray started and occasionally throwing a blitz from the back end. But they, they, I'm not sure they needed it. But they were really uh, they they came back and, and won and won that day for sure. And I think the offensive line felt it. I mean, there was a couple of skirmishes. There was almost a fight. Uh, after, and it was all after plays that were tackles for losses. So I think that's the. I think Mike Elston felt it too to uh, yell out when Jacob Lacey makes a great play. That's a badass play, Jacob. I mean, mm-hmm. he was, they, they were really into it yeah. on, on Saturday. I mean, look, the defensive line should win on third and long situations when you ha- when you know you have to throw the ball. Like, if you're not winning in that situation with these defensive linemen, like, that means Notre Dame's offensive th- linemen. I mean, offensive they, line may be like a Joe yeah, Moore award contender. They won between the defensive yeah. ends, though, which they hadn't been doing. True, but I'm just saying, like, if it's a... Aside from the defensive yeah, you mean. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they, there were not a lot of, like, gash run plays up the middle, which is sort of what we saw a lot of on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was an, it was an improved performance. It, it's, um, I don't know, I'd be, I'd be curious to see how we go back and forth between, like, what who's who's better. Is Notre Dame's defensive line better than its offensive line, or is it the other way around? Because I think the last two years has been pretty clear which side was better than the other. Um, Alternating. Yeah, and, th- and this year I'm not sure it's it's so obvious. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think that you know I just want to see Nordim's interior defensive line prove it when it matters, and they you know it doesn't matter I guess till September second, so um, we won't know for sure. But that was a good step forward. The whole talk about the linebackers, I think, you know, it's like we want it with each practice. We and the fans want a, a declaration about okay, these are the guys. They're not there yet. I think we saw on Saturday that a combination of Asmar Bilal and Drew White and Jack Lamb, three rotating into two spots with Bilal playing both, was was what we saw then. But I don't know that anything's etched in stone or that you can rule out Shane Simon or Bo Bauer or Jordan Jenmark Heath. Where are we with that? (laughs) I mean, I thought it was interesting that Brian Kelly talked about sort of first down, second down, third down differentiation at linebacker because that implies you're going to have time to sub. Well, that's the weird thing. Like, when you're getting tempoed to death, I don't know how much these, like, sort of rotations actually work. It has to be sort of more of a line change the way Chip Long does it where, like, you come out, you're one personnel for that drive. Um, You come out, if you want to change it up, you change it out between drives, and then you stick with something. So, I, I, Tim, I think you asked – Brian Kelly on Saturday about like, do you consider Asmar Bilal as a starter and like his, at, at both at positions because he was right. He was, I don't yeah. know if he's locked up either of them. You know, it's I, I don't I don't know what they think they have at linebacker right now because it certainly seems like they're so, the mixing and matching is extreme. I have not there. seen Bilal not be a one yet. Though. I have. I mean, I've seen the ones run without him. Runs without him. Yeah. 
So, although, well, that's right where they have. You know, but he has to run with a white second lamb team. combination. So you think it's more of. Oh, a, but then he doesn't go second team. You're right. It's just he's out right, right. now. Yeah. yeah. See, well, that, I, I hadn't considered it from that perspective that they're still looking at maybe the starting, maybe the starting inside linebackers are white and lamb. It's possible. I mean, I think it's probably, well, we consider and say, like, it's probably down to those three for two spots. Then again, I think after the first practice, we were like, well, these are clearly their three yeah. starting yeah. linebackers, and that's actually not the case at all. I think the disadvantage, if you want to get past those three, Bo Barra would have is anytime you're playing a team that's not, this is an extreme example, but Stanford or Navy or a power-running team where you can leave him on the field and only get him off on third down because mm-hmm. there's not an extreme tempo situation right. going and they're not spread out, that's his disadvantage. If you're saying, I want to put three guys out there and they got to stay out there until, of course, third and 11 when everybody can, can mm-hmm. sub because the offense will sub on third and 11, isn't it Bilal and Lamb? You have to go against everything. Like, you know. know, you have to go against everything. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, I think I look at White kind of he that mentioned way, White too. He mentioned White as a downhill I mean, guy, but I, we saw him make two plays against he, the pass already, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if you remember his high school film, I thought he had really good feet and, had, you know, had a little bit of zip. So I think... I think he's kind of a two-way player. I think Lamb is or will develop into a two-way player once he grows into the the frame a little bit better. I don't know. I you know, I mean, I my whole point is that I just don't think that we can we're looking for clarification. And we it. didn't and we didn't have it before I said this the other day in a podcast. We didn't have it before the spring. We didn't have it during the spring. We didn't have it after the spring. Right. We don't ha- we don't have it now. We may carry into the season. You know, I bet in 9 days we can get something from uh well, Kelly will be asked first, but media days in nine days. Clark Lee can probably give a pretty good breakdown of what an honest one of yeah. what they think they and have. I, and, and I want to, I want to spend time talking to him about Asmar Blau and and definitely knowing what they have positively and negatively. And I think he'll answer it at yeah. face value. And he's not like he's going to eliminate the other guys because you know, I mean, one of these guys gets hurt and one underperforms. All of a sudden, you need Jordan Jenmark as your starter. It's, mm-hmm. it's very possible they choose two starters. One underperforms, one gets hurt. They need two new starters. Yeah, so they're, they're going to be engaged. I think you know Bilal's a, has a couple advantages. One, he's old, um, but two, he's probably the only guy who can play both. Or they would they would entertain the idea of him playing both. I think ultimately, like Jack Lamb could be a really good Mike linebacker. Um, probably needs to get a little bit bigger. Yeah, but like agree. Drew White can't play the buck. I don't think. Um, you know, Shane Simon as a Mike seems kind of misfit. Both, yeah, they've been um, trying. Bill Bauer clearly is a Mike only. Um, Jen Markeith is a buck only. Uh, so there's, Bilal has the most sort of versatility in that group. The one curious or unfortunate thing about that, they've tried Simon at both. You know? I mean, they really tried it at both. Who haven't they, they tried it both? But I'm saying they, they kind of called a move for both. Like, yeah, we moved him to buck. We, we think it's going to be better than Rover. And then they we moved him away from buck because we want to see what he can do at Mike. And, kinda, and then you asked him after the spring game, are you comfortable in any of them? No. Yeah, was well, the answer. I mean, it's Bilal a, was the same way. He was a rover in December, and then he was a buck, and then he was a Mike, and now he's a buck again. So I just, to me, there's there's just a little bit too much moving guys around for me to take that as something that's good. Like when you're getting moved around, no, I, agree. I yeah, mean, we, that's I like yeah. That. I, mean, I think we all understand that like a week and a half through this. That it, is it a week and a half approaching yes. that. that you know, mixing and matching is fine up to a point. They're going to have to focus in here uh, very shortly. Basically, that's Saturday. Saturday is the last practice of <laughs> throw it against the wall, see what sticks. Yeah, we got there's a game to cover three weeks from today. 
Yeah, they they know everything by not know everything, but they know what they want to do against Louisville by media day for sure. Yeah. When August twenty first rolls a, around, I know a couple guys that that we were impressed with from Saturday and again today. Um, Kyron Williams caught the ball really really well on Saturday. A couple of brilliant catches, and then uh, Michael Young. I mean, Michael Young just continue. Yeah. He just looks good all the time. In my eyes, he looks good all the time. Kyron Williams had the second best catch we saw against ARP on Saturday. <laughs> I think you were down the defensive field when they were just warming up the throw to Claypool. You can't really say he did a 360 to catch it because that'd be weird, but he caught it and spun around to the point where he almost did a 360 oh my God. with the ball. And then Kyron Williams did one that was just less superhuman. Yeah, he, he, Kyron Williams had to work to do it. Yeah, so that's do right. it. Claypool, Claypool just, just elevated to do it. But Kyron Williams made a similar yeah. catch. Yeah, but well, I, I agree with you on Michael Young. Like. Today we were there. It just one on ones. The receiver should win, but if you're making a competitive catch, you're making a competitive catch. And he made uh, one along the sideline right in front of me. That I, uh, I'm trying to think who was in Bracy. Co- Bracy was yeah. in coverage. That I was like, wow, that is. I don't care who's covering you or yeah. how one on one it is. That's really impressive. And then he got up and ran by me and said, like, I can't believe I caught that. Um, like, I think he can totally believe he caught oh, that. Yeah. I think he's a kid who's incredibly confident now in a way that he wasn't a year ago. I think all three starting receivers, I, I really enjoy watching them practice because it's there's a purpose to everything yeah. that they do. Heads down, they're working. Fink's working. Claypool's working. Young is working. You couldn't always say that. You could always say that about Fink, but you couldn't always say that about Claypool and Young. And it's just, you know, I mean, it's just a really, really good sign that those guys are ready to explode. Now, the young receivers behind them, you know, Kevin Austin's going to miss a few games. I think Lawrence um, Keyes has started to progress in practices where he gets open and makes more plays than yeah. do Wilkins and Lindsey. Is that a fair yeah, way well, of looking at it? I thought Lindsey had a really good Saturday. A deep really route, get a deep ball touchdown. As a two. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's they, they need them to step forward. They sort of are. But the starting three are clearly oh, drawing cool. a li- they're yes. clearly drawing a line, which is I mean that's still a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It is a good thing because the linebackers are not clearly drawing a line. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. we got to have one. It's got to go one way. Right. Right. Your observations on Gilman uh, as it relates to the nickel uh, situation. I, I mean, he again showed today. Who's made more plays against the pass that we've watched than Lohi Gilman in one-on-one coverage? Now it started out being the tight ends and Jafar Armstrong, and today it was Chris Fink. He's, he is a sticky cover man from the slot. He's very aggressive. He's going to get called at some point but because he's, he's so aggressive all the time. <clears throat> but I like him more in that role than Jalen Elliott, which was discussed previously. I like Elliott moving in that nickel and dime. They have Kyle Hamilton kind of roaming to the post, and you've seen Elliott, Elliott's diagnosing things. He's smart. He's communicating everything. Gilman's up there right in the receiver's face, baiting him, jumping back and forth, going to zone or playing man. I love Gilman in that role. It, it's so I, obvious that he is the son of a DB coach. You know, I mean, his his technique is is just about impeccable in the way that he can close space. It's why we always thought that he was going to land on Cole Komet or somebody else and injure him because, he, because he's glued to the receiver that he's defending. And, and he shows it on a regular basis. And you're right. There's some grabbing and clutching and pulling in there, and and that'll that'll cost you at times. But 
you know, the, the refs don't want to call it all the time. And so he can do it the whole game. They're not going to flag him three or four times. I'd, I would live with a couple PIs. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. It's like, do you think Mark D'Antonio is like, God, you know, our DBs, I just... We just got to avoid these PIs. It's like, once, well, well once, you have the nation's best pass defense, but these PIs are really bad. Like, that's just, that's the cost of doing business. Well, when they change, well, I don't even remember what year it was when they changed the rule where the penalty is 15 yards as opposed to the spot of the foul. Well, then it's open season, you know, for DBs to go ahead and push and tug. And if you get called, okay, it's it's only 15, not 34. The one takeaway yeah. from today is Sean Crawford repped with the safeties. So it was we didn't see any action between other than one-on-one involving 7-on-7, 11-on-11, anything. But Saturday he was playing safety in the dime, and today he was actually working with the safeties instead of the corners. It was Crawford and Kyle Hamilton as a second-string combination of guys that pick off passes. I I think that's what they have to do. I mean, Crawford, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but, I mean, he's had a a series of unfortunate events in his career, but, like, they just need a fourth safety. Yeah, I don't know and how I, good he is at it, safety. It but just they, has to be him because yeah. he's better than DJ Brown. Right? And, and I don't think, and I does it, maybe he won't have to be a fourth safety. Maybe he can be the guy that reps as the fourth safety and gets to play in the dime. Sure. And then he could be very good at that because that's a different safety yeah, when it's third and 12. We saw on Saturday right. that a six DB alignment and Sean Crawford was part of it. And that's when you want him back there, right? Third and nine. I want mm-hmm. Sean Crawford doing something back there. Definitely. Uh, kicking competition took a turn in the other direction today. Uh, when we were in, was that Culver? Our last day in Culver? Last when, day in Culver. Yeah, was, when, yeah, when Leonard was 5 for 5 and Dora was 4 for 7. Well, today Dora was an automatic 5 for 5. And uh, Harrison Leonard struggled a little bit. He he missed his first, well, he was 3 for 6. He was inconsistent every, every step of the way. So that's wide open. And what, what I do like, though, is that it's not like, okay, one guy takes five kicks and then the next guy comes in. They were kind of alternating. It looked more like more of a competition since we saw what Leonard did last week. And I talked to someone uh, after that competition while <laughs> on the defensive practice field that said all the practices, and he said Dor has actually come on in the practices you've missed. Great. So that's, yeah. Fantastic. The whole key is what happens if he misses two kicks at Louisville and he has to yeah. think about it going into the next couple of games. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. you can get it right against New Mexico, but that won't, that, that won't clear yeah. his head, right? No, his kicks were pretty true today. They weren't fading um, yeah, that Leonard. They were Leonard pulled a couple. I liked what you said about Leonard that Thursday <laughs> in Culver. They all looked the same. Yeah. Doors all looked the same today. They did exactly, exactly. So that's wide open, uh, I guess. And and Jay Bramlett has continued to be great with his hang time, and uh, he's not going to do a lot of distance. But the the hang time, you know, Nordame was. I did a story this morning of, of Kelly's comments about Bramlett. You know, despite Tyler Newsom being number fifteen in the country in punting, they were. Actually, I only saw the top 50. In terms of net, they weren't in the top 50. They were just outside the top 50. So at the end of the day, it's really about net, right? Yes, for sure. <laughs> so uh, Brent Bramlin gives some hope. We'll be back for segment two, Burning Up the Boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burning Up the Boards, brought to you by Rent Like a Champion, South Bend's largest vacation rental company with 1,000 weekend home rentals. 
close to Notre Dame Stadium, available for Fighting Irish game days. Irish Illustrated readers and listeners can get $100 off their booking with the promo code IRISH2019. We start with Stampman72. I expect to see him in Los Angeles this coming weekend. In a short video discussing Asmar Bilal, Brian Kelly talked about trying to find the best combination of three linebackers. How likely is it that someone who is the second best Mike or Buck or Rover becomes a starter because he somehow functions best with the two guys who are number one at the other two positions? You get where he's coming from there? I, I do, uh, and I know why he included Rover, because it might be that the uh, Mike works better with him. But the Rover, we all think, is going to be Jeremiah Um I don't... I just think it's going to be more of a matchup-oriented, not week-to-week, but a matchup-oriented. What type of game is it? Is it a game where we need downhill tackling? Is it a game where we need people that can be on the field against tempo offenses until it's third and nine? I don't know... I think there's going to be plenty of different options that, that go out there. Yes, I agree. I don't think I don't know if they'll use them though. I, I think many times in the off season we talk about these really cool combinations mm-hmm. that they might use based on the matchups, and then they just like we're just going to play our best players. Thanks. Like I don't know. Got to find a best player. I, guess. I don't know if one is better than another by uh, such a small margin that the matchups would then dictate who you would play. Um, I don't think this is a like if you had, if the two battling mics were Jarrett Grace healthy and Drew White, then I might be like, okay, I could see where maybe you would rotate, but I don't, but I don't know how that fits in with what they have right now. Uh, question from Swarbrick for Prez: Which positional lineup for the linebackers going into Louisville will give you the highest confidence, and which one would force you to have the lowest confidence? Also. <laughs> Even with no injuries, do you expect to see that lineup change uh, from Louisville to Michigan coming off a of bye week? We're, we're already replacing guys. Uh, man, uh, Louisville to Michigan. All right. Yeah. Uh, from Louisville to the bye week going into Michigan. Yeah, there'll be a change there. My lowest. <laughs> yes, there will be. I think my confidence for all linebacker combinations is basically the same as long as they involve Owusu Koromoa. He's, he's the only linebacker that I've watched that I would say, like, yeah. That guy can play. Everybody else, I'm like, all right, you know, did some good things, did some bad things. It's a it's a mixed bag for everybody else except for number six. Yeah, my, my confidence in what the lineup is going to be is what I think right now. I can't go beyond. Yeah, <laughs> I can't go no, beyond I'm saying, today. They're gonna they're not gonna start the same three linebackers all year. Is my point. I would that would I would take any yeah, bet in the I, world. I, I just, on that one. but I don't, you know, I don't know how we can sit here and say, okay, well, during the bye week they're going to. Oh, I just to meet, somewhere from Louisville, no, get, Michigan, they will oh, certainly I, make a change i i would think so but i mean we can't even dis- we can't decide but while watching practices they, we're going the, to have the, they can't decide coaches can't right. decide right right <laughs> I'll, well, I'll take a shot at it how about for uh for georgia how about for georgia okay but, 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 Let's but, hope for georgia. but one of the questions is which, which lineup do you feel mo- you can live with you're most comfortable with I would none of them. I, I just it's just like I'm not comfortable with any of them. I would feel right? more Michael and Cody. Yeah. Yes. I would feel yeah. more. I think I bet I'd feel more comfortable if all of a sudden in the next three practices it's always Jack Lamb at one of the positions because okay. it's because of his future, right? And then you just think maybe he's come along. Sure. Yeah. I real. I'm really hoping that Why not. I really hope Bilal <laughs> makes us all look stupid. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't. I don't know that any of us has confidence in in that happening. Um, Drew White. I think. You know, I think he'll start Bilal. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too, and that's why. I, 
you know, I throw that question out to, to Brian Kelly and I, you, I love the way he answered it. It's very telling by the way that he answered it that I know I wouldn't say that he's I, a, yeah, I think the only thing I feel strongly about is that after Georgia, they'll probably make a change because whoever played is going to get yeah. beat up pretty badly. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter who it is. It's just like that's that's going to be the nature of that game. At R.D. Paul Mary, with Dante Vaughn looking strong in camp, does it make sense to move Houston Griffith back to safety? Hey, Dante Vaughn has to look strong in all of camp. And we've seen two we've seen days. Two days, the and, and he's had days. a rest day, uh, which was – Designed, um, because I, no, I don't. I don't. I think moving Houston Griffith back to safety for next year makes a lot of sense. But as I think I've talked about before, we've answered. I mean, you're, you're taking your shot this year too. Sean Crawford's a much better number four safety right now. Yeah, coaches don't worry about developing yeah. a guy at a different position twelve months from now. Vaughn has to stay healthy um, before you can just say we don't need to. We can move a corner out of a guy that's competing with Dante Vaughn, which is Houston Griffith. That's that's the number one thing. Yeah. He's, we're eight days in, eight eight practices in. I like yeah. I like the idea of Houston Griffin and Kyle Hamlin starting at safety next year. Yeah. I mean, wh- whether they make that change now or in March, yeah. I'm not sure it really matters. Well, they, yeah, they could make it in, in certainly in the beginning of winter conditioning, and he's played it before. Yeah, I just I, you know it's it's too early to say Dante Vaughn has arrived. Uh, maybe maybe he has. He's uh, been a pleasant surprise, but I didn't yeah. I didn't think he'd be running with the ones at all to start camp. Yeah, and I didn't think he would have. I, and I certainly didn't think, oh, he's moved to field, and that's where they like him more, and he would show well in some one-on-ones. You know, that's just not – and I'm a guy that liked Dante Vaughn the most coming out of high school. I just didn't believe – I thought the injuries had taken enough of a toll, where maybe they still have by the time we get to practice 17. Mm-hmm. That's what the question probably needs to be asked. Yeah. Game three, after Dante Vaughn only let up two first downs at Georgia, will they move Houston Griffith back to safety? That's, you know, that's when you know you have a player. It's a little of concern. A guy who's barely played is getting rust days. I think it's you know, not it's a not terrible like, idea. It's though. not like Chase Claypool. Yeah, good Sean Crawford's for the injury. I right. mean, you know those you you mm-hmm. you're a shoulder injury I'm a, guy. I'm a shoulder. Yeah. All right. We have a series of questions about Ian Book, and I think it's all people kind of wondering just where he is at this point in preseason camp. Starting with at way to go, K man. How would you assess Ian Book's play so far? Pretty good. Not blowing me away. Right. Um, Doesn't blow me away either. Also, I have absolutely zero concern about it. That's kind of how I feel. That I, I, I thought he'd look better. If I had never... Oh, that question's coming up. But I thought he'd look better. And I don't feel the same way, though, that I did when we were making it. Um, like, apologies for Malik Zaire's passing versus Kaiser. We're like, isn't the backup a better passer? Ah, we must be wrong. We must be crazy. I, I don't look at Book and think, oh, he just hasn't improved. I just think he hasn't looked great in the practices we've been there. We also take him for granted because... He throws a couple, he throws beautiful mid-range and short passes, and Pete even says something to me on an out route to Fink. It might have been Saturday. Like, that ball is just exactly oh, the, We take where so many of those. On the move, on right. the move to we his We take hands. so many of those great throws yeah. for granted. Yeah. So we're judging every throw downfield, just what happens because of last year. That's mm-hmm. basically what we're judging. And he overthrew another post-corner route against air today. He's not all that accurate downfield compared to what you would think he would be because he's so yeah. good everywhere else. So that'll remain a question. Following up on uh, that question, at Burbs Ray, try to pretend you've never seen Ian Book play other than the practices you've seen so far this year. How would you rate him? Playoff level? New Year's Six? Mid-tier bowl? Or the Cure Bowl? First of all, the joke has to always be Pinstripe Bowl going forward. Okay, Or Independence Bowl for you and uh, Al Lessar. 
But there's uh, that if you need to make a bold joke. Is pinstripe. that not mid tier? Pinstripe, pinstripe is not mid tier. It might be, but pinstripe bowl yeah, works. Technically, I believe it is mid tier. Did Priester send you the picture of the pinstripe, of the pinstripe trophy? This is what it's all about. Yeah. That's why that's the you're lowest. You're allowed to tweet a So where that. where would you guys rate book at this point? Certainly not uh, playoff level. No, not just practices. No, that, no, no, of course not. Probably mid tier. I, I would say, say the same thing. If, you got you got to erase your memory, right? No, I'd this? say if mid tier, as long as mid tier is Citrus Bowl yes. slash Champ Sports. That's how I looked at that. Yeah. Uh, nine and three is what that is. Then yeah, that's where I am too. So you know, I mean, as a you know, when I heard the whole thing in the spring about go ahead and take chances, see what you can do, get away with or what you can do or what your ceiling is, I didn't, I mean, that kind of stuck under my skin a little bit because I just thought that that's, is that really what you want, a guy practicing, thinking? I mean, I get it, but, you know, now we've seen him and Jerkovic both picked off a bunch in the in the preseason. We are probably overanalyzing this and over-exaggerating it, but... You know, he, he hasn't looked he hasn't looked like, okay, this is Ian Book the next level after his first year as That's a starter. That's the best way to say it. Ian Book looked good last August. He looks pretty good this August. I just don't think of him as last August. We didn't think that is one of the top ten quarterbacks in the mm-hmm. country. And coming into this camp, he thought he could be one of the top ten college quarterbacks in the country. And I, and I, we all still think that yeah, he Yeah, but be. I just would not have not in the three practices we saw, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. You got to report what you see, right? It's not all that's qualifications of everything. That's yeah. a practice report. Yeah. That's why we call it that. Last question about Ian Book from uh, at Brian J. Carey. With Ian Book entering his second year as a starting quarterback, are there indications from practice that Chip Long is expanding the offensive playbook? For instance, the screen game and passes to the running backs downfield. Yes, they're trying it. Um, screen game, I'd say, is still a little bit dodgy. Uh, but, you know, throwing to the running backs, they do that a lot. And I think they'll do that more this year than they did last year. Yeah, I think. At least three of them can catch, and I think Jameer Smith was able to before he had a broken hand. Well, and the the the, the short term loss of Cole Komet definitely leads to more passes to the running backs, yes. right? Somebody's got to catch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have those three yeah. front line guys at receiver. Well, but. the way that you have Jafar Armstrong is a better receiving running back. Yeah, than most. and by the way, during Tempo today, the running uh, both Armstrong. I don't know if Jones did. Jones probably did too, but Kyron Williams. They just lined up in the slot during tempo. They've been doing that during yeah. tempo when, I, right. when I've had it. So, yeah, there's been a lot of two running backs yeah. out there. They're, they're gonna, those guys are going to catch a lot of passes. I, between Jones and Armstrong, how many? 40? Yeah, the old yeah, that's a good number. The old-fashioned screen game has just never looked good. Or no. Never I can't remember. It's a, until the, since the Weiss era. The old-fashioned screen game just doesn't drop in there right here. It's a strange thing. It is. Wash ND, after all the practices you have seen, do you feel comfortable that Phil Dracovic is a good backup for now with the arrow pointed back up as the future starter probably as soon as next year? Uh, for the first part of that sentence, I would say yes. I do feel comfortable with Phil Dracovic as a good backup for now. The future starter, I'm just not going to go there yet because we just don't know. I mean, I haven't seen him take a rep against the ones at all. Um, yeah, like, um, I was trying to figure out if he I have to go back at the notes when we the, against the dime was he. I know they got book once when Gil, when Hamilton is blitzed and it was shot out of a cannon mm-hmm. coming from the back. I, I know book was in there then. I, I may I think Dracovic probably, but if he did, then he didn't do well because that dime killed him. Um, yeah, I I still want to see another full practice of Phil Dracovic and especially August seventeenth in the stadium. 
Um, the most telling practice of all time last I'd year. I'd like to see him in a game. Yeah, but well, you don't want to see him in the Georgia game unless you have to. No, so that's the, like, see him I'd in like, New Mexico. And, you know, yeah, just that. Yeah. That would be significant to me. Right, a whole quarter and a half would mm-hmm. be great if they could pull that off somehow for Phil Dracovic, which they almost owe it to him and to themselves. If you could just put away New Mexico in the first half. To, I know you don't like to take your starting quarterback out. He doesn't get to play enough college football games that, as he wants, but you need to see what you have here. Yeah, huh? you do. Yeah. The, the good news is that we're not overanalyzing every throw that he's made here the last I've three s- practices. I've stopped and trying to figure out if they're spirals, so that's that's good. Because he yeah, throws accurately now. Yeah, no, but the, th- the throwing motion is... In the spring, it was too short. It was too short and too tight. And he, when he goes back to his old throwing motion, it's... It's a little long, and that has, I think, something to do with why the ball comes off his yeah, hand the way it does. As long but, as it gets there like it has been the last <coughs> couple of practices. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a dramatic improvement. Do you know where we are? Yeah. In? We At go. Murphy's underscore law, if Kevin Austin does what he's supposed to do, he did not put that in quotes, but he could have, mm-hmm. do you see him being automatically inserted back into the two deep behind Chase Claypool once his suspension is up? Yes. I, I, there's no question about it because all he has to do is move ahead of Javon McKinley. That's that's the number two spot for him. Is but Chase Claypool is a starter, and then it's McKinley until Austin comes back, right? And then it's Austin. And McKinley, you know, considering what McKinley hasn't done up to this point of his career, he's had a good camp. Today sure. we watched ten passes, and he caught two passes against Troy Price. And those were the only two to him, right? And also Kevin Austin caught a bomb touchdown, but not against Troy Price. A little different. How many? Pl- I'm not questioning Troy Pride's ability as a corner, but how many plays have you seen him make? More last year. When you remember we you we really liked Troy Pride last year, and you really really liked Troy Pride yeah. last August. He's made less this camp, I would say. Does not seem super healthy to me either. Starting with Culver, where he was certainly yeah, doubled remember over when a couple he was times. Sta- yeah, he was standing in the back of the end zone, just kind of looking off into the distance, doubled over, and shouldn't I didn't... he get a veteran day then? Give one to Dante Vaughn. I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that he would he, want it or yeah. take it. I don't think that he's wired that way. But uh, it, it it might be in order at NFL Mock Star. What will the tight end reps look like for the first part of the season? Tommy Tremble getting a possible H back slash fullback look. Tommy uh, Tremble getting detached tight end, if you want to call that, with H back fullback. I don't. I mean, fullback look is not Tommy Tremble. <laughs> no, no, he's a he's a, no. definitely a move tight end. Yeah. So be H back and detached detached player. I think, I think that personnel set is dead. Yeah, yeah. They asked Brock Wright to gain yeah twenty pounds for it. It didn't work out. And now he had to lose it. <laughs> Poor guy. And uh, I mean, quicker. just for the record, Tommy Tremble had a little trouble getting lined up on Saturday in a couple instances. That's going to be an issue. So yeah, I mean it's a it's a big it's a big it is. Play, it's Chip, a big playbook and he's never played Chip Long consistently <laughs> when he talks about players we always like ask about Chase Claypool ask about Kevin Austin he said something about Claypool in the spring he's yeah you know it's not like he's not slowing us down every time he makes a catch and he can't get lined up he doesn't know where to go I mean he often talks about guys slowing him down not knowing yeah. where to go making too much of one play so I, obviously it's something he values mm-hmm. in his tempo offense. Uh, a series of questions here about Derek Allen. He, of course, has left Notre Dame. Is he going to Georgia Tech? Do you yes. know that for a fact? Yes. Uh, I'm a sailor peg. I think we were all surprised when Sean Crawford uh, cross-trained at safety on day one. Do you guys think that the coaching staff saw Derek Allen's departure coming? Perhaps they weren't as shocked as we were. I think they felt they would need better safeties than Derek Allen for uh, 2019. Or September two, August and September two thousand nineteen, at least. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with like his departure coming. It's just he wasn't good enough. He, in some ways, he had already departed. Yeah, I mean, he just he wasn't emer- he was not emerging at all. He was not a candidate for playing time at all. No, not from scrimmage at all. And I don't know if he would have been from special teams. Otherwise, he would have been a candidate last year for special teams, which he, would he have wasn't. Played. He was, yeah, he was a candidate. He was close. Uh, I think against Navy to getting in, and then it just didn't. It didn't happen. He had been activated. He had for been special activated teams, for special teams. That's a good. Not, that's a good stride then. But did he, not play. Yeah. But that's like a pretty small stride for a four-star prospect. Even removing activated that, yeah. to maybe play special. Well, yeah, because Moala was already in. Yeah. Um, I think that. Were they the shocked as we were? We were not shocked because we listen to what the coaches say and watch practices. Um, I am surprised to to be fair to readers, subscribers, everybody out there. I'm surprised at the timing. Yes. Um, I would have thought you would maybe end your spring and say, "Where am I?" We have, a, have an honest conversation with the coaching staff. However, as Tim kind of reminded me, he didn't have a good spring until he concluded spring with his best ever practice, which was the Blue Goal game, making tackles. Being a very physical player, enough where Clark Lee in your interview with him said, "Yeah, he had a good spring game." So maybe that was seen as, "No, I, I want to stay, and I'm going to make, I'm going to eventually be in a role." You know, he didn't think he was going to start this year, obviously, but next year was why it was opening up. Yeah, I'm just not sure the coaching staff was was real concerned about the departure. No, I don't think they were. Which is it, which says something considering the numbers they have at safety. I'm surprised he left in August as opposed yeah. to when he could have. Maybe gotten a waiver. You, you know, you can get a waiver nowadays for hardship for some reason, and then you can play. I'm not sure what would, other than the, <laughs> other than the blue goal game. I'm not sure what what would have led him to believe that. Okay, I'm making progress. You're an 18 year old freshman. No, that's confident. You play that game. Right. And that's the one on TV, and you're getting all these accolades for playing. You're like, hey, Derek Allen looked good. Derek Allen looked good. And even we were like, Derek Allen played his best game. Right. That right makes you think differently, right? All right. Well, follow up to that from J, uh, at JJ Allwine. Derek Allen had the ranking, the offers, and hype all pointing to success. Was everyone wrong? Were there injuries, effort issues? Why didn't he make the slightest impression? Hmm. Um, the last question is the most is the one that sums the whole thing up. It's weird that he didn't make the slightest impression. Okay. From when let's he was back, coming in. Let's go back to the first practice and what Samson said last year was that he didn't look like he was in good shape. Yeah. And when I saw him at the opening the summer before, I mean, he was like, all right, this is a guy that's going to need to work on his body, you know, get, you know, lose some weight, add it in muscle form others and other spots. And I just don't know if that ever really happened. Um, And I know in the winter, talking to his dad, he said that Matt Bayless had sat down with Derek and said, all right, you're basically my personal project. Um but I'm not sure there was a lot of headway made there. I don't. I don't know if he. You saw him when training camp started. Be like, ah, he's really put together in a different way now. It was just sort of more of the same, and I think more of the same was not was not cutting it. And so it's it's a combination of things. I, I think that locking in with the weight program was a real struggle. Uh, but I also think he was sort of misevaluated by Notre Dame coming out of high school too as a safety prospect at all. Well, nutritionally, he must not have done a, a, a very good job. It, it's all at your fingertips there for you, but it's it's difficult to be disciplined with your, your diet and nutrition at times. You know, we have not heard positive reports of his play or seen him play well for a, a lot, you know, calendar year, 11 months. Just because he doesn't appear in a practice report in August and 
that didn't mean anything back as a, as a freshman. Some guys just get lost. Mm-hmm. In the spring, one of the first things we all said was we need to see Derek Allen look like a he player. He was kind of with Dracovic in the, okay, I need to see this guy show that he can be a capable backup. And then we didn't, we think didn't see it. He was a capable backup. Right so there, there, we were, I guess we, we have all that information as opposed to just going back to the recruiting ranking and the offers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I was lower on him. I assume than most people at eighth in that class, right? Eighth in Notre Dame's class. But I am surprised he couldn't make any impression. That's the surprise for me. Like, come, removing what we already know, like the way they say erase your Ian Book memories, I didn't think he was superhuman coming out of high school, but I never thought you'd say Derek Allen is going to transfer before his second year because he can't breach the second string. Is that fair? Yeah, and they don't have any safeties but, other than the three, the three starters, or that's two starters in Kyle Hamilton. We also thought the same thing about Darnell. Darnell Yule, basically. I mean, we didn't... Oh, coming into that. Yeah. Time, that exact time, yeah. But it's still a surprise. That's, I mean, yeah, no, that, that's... That yeah, part's a surprise. surprise. We've him, been following him for years. leaving so. Notre Dame now, other than the timing, that's not a, that's not the, a surprise. Just the timing is the surprise, right. yeah. At Chris Lom 7 how excited should we be about the ability of Julian O'Quara and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo to create havoc for the defense this fall? Obviously, we know that O'Quara has already done that and will... Yeah continue to do that be more uh, excited for the former but i'm pretty excited for the latter right now too he has shown really well two picks of ian book while covering chris fink like that's yeah that's really and, I, rare. and you know you okay right away it's like okay how big is he 216 hmm, is that big enough then you look at him and you watch him play yeah he is and the 216 that it is just a number it doesn't it doesn't mean it he's at he's athletic like a 216 pounder but he's put together like a 225-pound linebacker, 230-pound linebacker. And you, you, but when you look at him, you say, "Wow, 216. He's got he's got to be heavier than that." It's almost like the guy, the other guy listed in this question from a couple springs ago when it was like, "Wow, Julian yeah. Carr is really underweight." And, and I know he makes all those sacks, but like, boy, he just seems underweight. Like the it's the productivity is there regardless right. of how heavy he actually is. Right. I, I mean, I, he's the most exciting guy from maybe the start of this calendar year till now. Of the of the newcomers, of the new, of the new, yeah, of yeah, right, of the newcomers. Right. yeah. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's just that guy's starting, and I expect him to make plays. I don't mean he's gonna he's not gonna be perfect and, and flawless. He's, it's your first time starting, third year in the role though. He's he's gonna make plays. He knows what he's yeah. doing. I think during spring, the perception was more like Owusu Koromo and Moala would rotate. That's done, like. There's not going to be a rotation at that position. He's a backup. Dumoulin's a backup. Is yeah. too good. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to hear. And we're going to conclude with ND Squid 23. Does Clark Lee have anything left to prove to you as a defensive coordinator? If so, what do you hope to learn watching the 2019 defense? Uh, I mean, yes, but I guess it's like he has something to prove as a defensive coordinator, not to me, because what he's working through as a coordinator is so high level, I wouldn't understand it. Yeah, I um, think from a fan's level, wouldn't you say if he comes up with, like, I mean, George is a 10-point, you know, double-digit favorite. If he comes up with something in that game against Jake Fromm, one of the best offense lives of the country, and those running backs, if he comes up with something where that game is 24-21, and that's like, that he, that's, that's his, that's his job as a defensive coordinator to play that mm-hmm. way. And I mean, I think he was on his way to that against Clemson without the un- unfortunate injury. Yeah. I, I do, th- I mean, it was, that was more 24 well, to 3, but. 
You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the yeah. defense wasn't going to lose. That yeah, game. it's just his second year as coordinator. I mean, I, I I don't think that he's arrived per se. Again, why? Because he got Tillery back and Tranquil back and Coney back and Love's. That's you know. a good point. Yeah. I mean, those are those guys. We would look at Clark Lee a whole lot differently if Tranquil, Coney, and Tillery had made different decisions. Uh, you know, and he mm-hmm. knew that. He understood that. Well, that goes back to Pete's spring question to him. Was it too easy last year? Uh, but, you know, like you, you, you well, had, he re- not, I mean, it's not like he's, you thinking, didn't mean it that way, but you no. know, was it, you, you do what you didn't have to sit and work with tranquil through everything. You didn't have to work right. with Jerry Tillery through every nuance of things. It was yeah. just, I think for him, it's just, he's a young coordinator. So he's sort of learning as he goes. I think some people take that as a real negative. I take it more as a positive because you're going to be better than you were before. Clark Lee is not somebody who's like going to miss out on like learning opportunities. Right. Right. <clears throat> Yes, he's going to take advantage of every one of those, and he'll continue to progress. And we figure him to be known as one of the top defensive coordinators in the country. But he hasn't arrived yet because he's got a lot to prove with an inexperienced defense, uh, linebacker core. Um, you know, here I am again talking about the interior defense, unlike I, like I did all last year. But I still think that, and that was with Tillery and Bonner, I still think this group has a lot to prove. And that's ultimately going to be placed on the shoulders of Clark Lee. You say that Wusu Cormo is 216? 216 pounds. That's what they have listed at. Clemson's starting linebackers last year in the game were 220, 220, and 218. Comparable athletes. Yeah. He he would fit right in. He'd fit there right in. Would good he thing fit he right in with good, Simmons? Good thing he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> would he fit in with Simmons? I think one Simmons of, would fit in with him, possibly. In one South of the Bend, athletics <laughs> uh, uh, freak picks. Yeah. I think we all would be like, yep, I'm in agreement with uh, Bruce Feldman on his freaks that list was with one, Isaiah Simmons. That was like. Uh, one of the great things about preparing, having a long time to prepare yes. for a ball game, is getting to see all the film of them, and it's like, have you guys seen yeah, this? Yeah, he was, he was the issue when you're watching. Oh I, I was like, oh, who did who did, the, who did that receiver beat yeah. the corner? Oh, he's 225 pounds, 6'3". <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he was like a, he was a kid out of Kansas or Missouri. I can't remember which one. It was somebody so was like highly off acclaimed. the radar. Yeah, um, you know, his recruitment was one of those like they found him at the very end and. He's good. good. Yeah, he's good. Well, they needed to find a, an accidental gem. Clemson did last year. So yeah, they don't have enough talent on that defense. Uh, that's it for today. We're going to wrap up Irish Illustrated Insider. We will have uh, Friday, right? Friday. We don't have a, but we don't have anything uh, as far as the open practice. It'll be on Saturday. Unfortunately, I'll miss it. So you guys have to watch real closely for me. Um, this is the anniversary of the net. The anniversary of the net. The practice net. The quarterback net. This practice. Oh, well, I was at that one. <laughs> I was at that one, and we knew. Told that, the story of the we season. We knew, yes. We knew there, were tr- there was trouble at quarterback uh, last year before the season started, and it ended up working to Notre Dame's advantage with Ian Book arising, arriving. So we'll be back for the next Irish Illustrated Insider on Friday, August 16th. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk with you then. It's time to start planning your trip to Notre Dame. Rent Like a Champion is South Bend's largest vacation rental company with over 1,000 weekend home rentals available close to Notre Dame Stadium. Head to rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated to get $100 off your booking when you use the promo code IRISH2019. That's rentlikeachampion.com slash illustrated promo code IRISH2019.